Good morning. Um, it is a bit strange being up here. Um, my name's Tom, as Mark just said. I've been part of this church uh, pretty much all of my life. Uh, my parents are in this church, so I was born uh, into this church. Um, and so I've seen many people come up here and preach, so it's a bit strange being up here. And it's a little bit strange uh, because the past year, uh, me and my wife have been in India. And so last time that I did preach, um, it was in India. Was, which was very different to being here. Um, and that's mainly why I'm preaching from a laptop as well, because in India, you can't use paper notes because you always have fans going, so they just blow everywhere. So I'm used to preparing on a laptop, so that's why that's here. Um, but also, the heat is a little different. But one of the main things that I'm really glad about, and I won't go into too much detail, but in India, when you eat certain types of food, it can leave your digestive system in a certain condition which isn't always the easiest, uh, and things can flow a little bit more freely than normal. And so last time I was preaching, I was in one of those moments. And so in the worship time, I was just, you know, obviously focusing on God, praying, Lord, please help me, and just in and out. And, uh, and, 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 and it was very much so the case that I might have had to run out halfway through, just, you know, think about that point for a minute, just ponder on that, I will be back shortly. But thankfully, the Lord sustained me during that preach. But this morning, that's, that's a, a big benefit, is that I'm feeling good. I've eaten lots of Christmas food, um, so I'm feeling, feeling sustained, not in any danger of running out. So if I run out, it'll be for some other reason, but not for that. Um, so it is, it is a joy and a privilege to be up here and to come and talk to you. Um, and this morning, uh, very simply, I'm just going to be talking about what it means to be a witness of Christ. Um, and so during our worship time, the, the prayers that have come through, um, what, what Terry shared, you know, it's just so encouraging to sort of be preaching off the back of that because I think that's what God wants to encourage us with this morning is, is that he has a job description for us. One of the job descriptions is to be a witness of Christ. And so I just want to look at that um, and look at what that means. Um, and my intention is... It's to encourage, exhort, and stir um, lots of different types of people, really. And so there are going to be Christians here, hopefully. And what my, my heart for you is, is that you, you might be in a place where you already know what the Bible teaches about being a witness. You're already being a witness of Christ. And so you will have heard everything that I'm going to say. But, so, but for you, my intention is that you would just be stirred again afresh have new zeal and passion to carry on with what you're already doing with more power, with more zeal as we move into this next year. For some Christians, though, you might not know that God has commissioned you to be a witness of Christ. And so this might be a new thing for you. So my intention for you this morning is that you would feel that commission and go for it as a, as a result of today. Um, yet for others, you you might know as a Christian, yet yeah, we're, we're meant to you know, witness about, you know, about Christ. But actually, a lot of the time, you're very fearful um, of, of speaking about Christ. Or when it comes to it, you're a bit nervous. You don't want to, you feel you might be embarrassed if you say this to your friends or whatever. So my intention for you, that you would be set free of fear this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there are some others who might know this, but actually can't really be bothered, don't really think it's their job, and have no real urgency about them to talk about Christ. Yeah, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. I don't care. And my intention for you this morning is is that the Word of God would give you a a gentle nudge up the backside to to move into the things that God has called you into of being a witness for Christ. So that is my intention. Um, And you can let me know if we got there at the end. Um, And I'm going to be preaching from the book of Acts. And Acts is is like a second part in a two-letter series written by the same bloke called Luke. Um, and his first book, well, letter, Luke, um, is about the coming of life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. His second letter is Acts, and that is about after Jesus has ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit comes on the, on the early church, gives them power, and it's sort of explaining some of the things that happened in, with these early believers, full of the power of God, spreading the word of God, being witnesses, and it's lots of different things that happened uh, through that. So that's what sort of Acts is about, and we're going to be joining the story of Acts in Acts 8. Um, and so far, for the church, it's, it's been going reasonably well. Um, they've, they've not really gone beyond Jerusalem with the gospel. Um, 
But things have been going okay, not too many problems. But just before Acts 8, in Acts 7, we read a story of a man called Stephen who was arrested for, for preaching the gospel, for talking about Jesus, um, and actually was falsely accused. Um, he gives an amazing account of, of what he believes before these, these religious believers who are accusing him. And as a result of that, they, they then stone him to death, and he's murdered for, for what he believes. So that is in Acts 7. And we're going to join the story just after that in Acts 8. I'm just going to move these things. I'm going to trip over them. I just know. So if you want to turn to Acts 8, I'm not going to preach from all of Acts 8. I'm just going to be using a few different bits of it to to teach us and help us uh, see what it is to be a witness of Christ. So as we read through, I'll then jump on uh, to some extra verses, but I'll let you know. So if we start in verse 1, and Saul approved of uh, their killing him. So obviously that's talking about... Stephen, who's been killed. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women, put them in prison. Though, um, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to the city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So then we're going to skip down to verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the candidate, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus, or however you want to pronounce it, and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So that's what mainly I'm going to be looking at today and probably focusing on the the short story there we see of Philip and the eunuch. Um, But before we get into those little sections of scripture and talk about what it means to be a witness of Christ, there's an incredibly important question that I need to ask. And really, this is probably going to be the main point of what I'm talking about. So if you're going to listen to anything, this is probably the best bit to listen to. And it is the most important question. And so the question is, do you know and live in the good of the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'll say that again. Do you know and live in the good of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And that is an incredibly important question to be able to answer for yourself. Um, And if your answer is, no, I don't know what, I don't even know what the gospel is. Um, I don't know what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Well, here it is. Is, is, the, is. Did you know that you were born sinful? In being a witness for Christ, actually, this is the key ingredient. So whether you've heard the gospel many times or not, listen to this and just let it just move your heart again because it is the key ingredient in being a witness is, is that we, we were all of us born sinful, separate from God. It means that, that none of us can live a perfect life. None of us can go through life without doing wrong. 
The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us, including myself, all of us are born sinful. It's our nature and there's nothing we can do about it. And that nature means that we cannot be with God. Our sinful nature, as the Bible calls it, means that, that we cannot be near God because God is holy. God is perfect and we're not. And so we find ourselves in a position where we are separate from God and there's nothing we can do about it. And you might say, well, I'm a pretty good person actually. And who are you to tell me that I'm sinful, that I'm bad, that I'm separate from God? Who are you to tell me that? Well, I'm not telling you that. God is. God is holy. God is perfect. And the reality is, is that we do not deserve to know him. We do not deserve to be near him because perfection and imperfection don't mix and they can't. And there's nothing we can do about it. You can't do a good deed to try and achieve favor with God so that he'll like me and forgive me. You can't do that. Because as as hard as we try, we can't attain perfection. We can't keep going through life thinking, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. We'll always mess up. And it doesn't matter, even if we manage from today, we thought, I'm going to do good. And we manage to do good for the rest of life. It doesn't matter because you've already sinned. You've already done wrong. It's in your nature and there's nothing you can do to change it yourself. And so far you're thinking this isn't very good news. And it's not very good news. Because the reality is, is if you die in this nature, if you die with sinful nature, the separation that we have with God now will be for eternity. If we die now, we will be separate from God in eternal conscious suffering. And that's the truth in hell. If we die in our sinful nature, we will be separate from God. But the good news is, is that God loves us. It's the best news. And because of God's love, he has sent his son, Jesus. Now, obviously, it's Christmas time. You've probably heard and seen lots of pictures about this baby coming. And so it's very topical. But this happened. This is reality is is that God became man. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is eternally God in heaven, came and became man. Why? Well, because he can live the perfect life that we couldn't. And he did. He lived the perfect life that we can't. He was conceived in the womb of a virgin woman by the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't have our nature. He is free from it. And he lived that perfect life. And in his life, he demonstrated power by healing the sick, preaching the kingdom of God, telling people that they can know forgiveness of sins, that the only way to the Father is through him. And this wound up the authorities and the religious rulers of the time. They did not like it. They did not like him. And so they plotted and falsely accused him, got him arrested, handed him over. He was mocked, he was beaten, he was tortured, and he was murdered on a cross. That's what happened to Jesus. But Jesus went to the cross knowing that it was for purpose. Jesus is God. He didn't have to go to the cross. This didn't happen to him and he could not control it. And it's out of his, you know, oh no, you know, what's happening? My plan is, is failing. No, Jesus knew what his purpose was. He went to the cross. And on the cross, he stood in our place and took the punishment for our sin on himself. But not just for the future, but he took on himself the punishment for all of sin for all of time, on himself. He sacrificed himself for us. 
Three days later, after he died, death couldn't hold him. And he rose from the grave in victory over sin and death. And he is now ascended into heaven in all authority and power. And he will come again. We heard that prayer this morning. I can't remember who prayed it. But, you know, Jesus is coming back. He will return in all glory and power to judge all things. And because of what Jesus has done, we can now know forgiveness of sin. Because of what Jesus has done. And if we believe what Jesus has done and we repent of our sin, we ask for forgiveness and we put our faith in Jesus and believe that he has achieved it all, we will be saved. We will have that separation that was there from us to God, the one that we can't form, the one that we can't bridge, we can't get to God, will be made right through Jesus, has been made right through Jesus. So when we accept him, when we believe what he's done, we will be saved and brought into a wonderful relationship with God forever. And if we die now, we know that we'll be with him forever and with God in perfect relationship in heaven. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ. I think it's pretty good news. There's a few, few nods, a few smiles. If there are other saints in the room, you, you can be excited by this. It's good news. You live in the good of what Jesus has done. You were destined for hell. You are now destined for heaven. You have received something you don't deserve. You have a relationship with God that you do not merit. You haven't done anything to win God's favor. He's just poured his favor out on you. Horrible, awful sinners who deserve to be punished have been won into wonderful relationship with God through no effort or achievement of ourselves, but purely through the love and blessing of Jesus Christ our Lord. It's amazing. It's amazingly good news. And we need to remind ourselves of it every day, not just on Sundays when someone, when we sing songs about it, when we think, Oh, actually, yeah, yeah, Jesus did die for me. Wow, I can praise him. Every day we need to remind ourselves that this is what Jesus has done for us. That salvation comes through faith alone. It's just the more we remind ourselves of this, you know, that you know the scripture, you know that the, the truth will set you free. Well, it does. And, and this is why I'm saying that in being a witness, this is the key ingredient. Because if you're not reminding yourselves daily of the wonderful truth, that Jesus has saved you and won you and it's free and it's amazing and it's glorious, then we can sometimes become a bit cold. But the more we remind ourselves, the more it just warms our heart. And genuinely, that is what will spur us on to tell others about Jesus. Because when we just ponder and think on the things he's done for me, you know, freely we've received. And freely we'll give. Because he's won it all for us. And it's an amazing, amazing truth. And in Acts 8, it's obvious that the early church had come to this conclusion, this conviction. Because in, in Acts 8 verse 4, what, what we see is that just after Stephen is killed, persecution breaks out against the church. And they're scattered. And so we read about how Different ones are dragged off to prison, men and women. They have to leave their homes. They have to go to different places. It's massive disruption. It was probably hugely scary because what they'd just seen is they'd just seen one of their brothers, one of their friends, killed for talking about Jesus, for proclaiming the gospel. So what would be the sensible thing to do? The sensible thing to do in the eyes of the world would be let's just stay quiet. Let's just go underground Let's not mention the gospel for a while until things calm down. Then maybe we can start some friendships. Maybe then we can begin to gently talk about Jesus. Not, not too loudly so the authorities don't realize we're doing it. But if, that would probably be the sensible thing to do. Let's avoid being murdered like our friend. Probably quite an, a good idea. But what do we read that happens to the early church? It says, as they were scattered, wherever they went... They preached the word of God. I think they knew and lived in the good of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why this question is key in being a witness for Christ. Do you know and live in the good of the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
Because when we do, we'll find ourselves, I believe, in a position like the early church, which is, well, of course I'm going to talk about Jesus. Even if it means being kicked out of my home. I mean, if you throw it into the modern day scenario, you know, a lot of us here own homes, have our own houses. Can you imagine having just to leave your house? Just have to go. Would you pay that price to continue to talk about Jesus? It's a difficult question. We have a great privilege here in this, in this nation of, of not necessarily facing that much persecution to the church. We're free to talk about Jesus to whoever we want to, whenever we want to. We, we do face persecution, but at the moment, not many of us have had to flee our homes. And the example here of the early church is very provoking to me, and I hope it's provoking to you as well, which is, well, what was it that they had, which meant that they, even though they'd been scattered and their friends been thrown in prison and their mates just been murdered, that, that meant that they still wanted to preach the word of God wherever they went. It's an amazing thing, and I believe it's because they lived in the good of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, this morning, as I said, that's probably the key point. So if you're going to switch off or doze, you can from now on. But get hold of that. Get hold of the necessity to remind yourself of who you are in Christ every day. And let it stir you and provoke you to tell others. And so, now I want to look at this little story of Philip. And... We're going we're gonna to look at this, this short story and just pull out a couple of points, uh, practically, of what it means to be a witness for Christ. Um, now, we're introduced to this guy called Philip um, a little bit earlier in Acts, in Acts 6. Um, he, was, he was one of uh, seven blokes who was chosen to do some administrative stuff in the church. Godly men, so that's where we're introduced to him. And, and then we read uh, about him in verse 5 and 8 of Acts 8. And we see that he went to this uh, city in, in, and preached the Messiah, uh, and that we see that he had uh, healings going on. He, he ministered that way. He, loved, he saw uh, evil spirits being cast out. We read these things about him, so we can see that obviously his heart is that he loves to preach the word. He loves to, to talk about Jesus. And it says great joy broke out in that city because of what he'd been doing, because he, he'd been seeing people responding to the gospel, being filled with power, knowing healing, knowing freedom, and so on. And so we see that that's what he likes to do. And then we come across, it's, it is one of my favorite stories in Acts, I think, because it just has random things going on that just make me chuckle. Um, and, and also, as I've been thinking about this story, trying to think of like modern-day equivalents of a man in a chariot Traveling along the road, reading out loud has been a bit tricky, but I've got one for you, so you just wait for it. And uh, as we follow this, this story through, we're going to go from verse 26 onwards. We're going to look at this uh, short story. Um, basically, I've got two points that I want to sort of just share with you, which is follow and act. And act, or act and follow, or follow and act, act and follow. They're kind of intertwined within each other, um, but that's what I see sort of happening with Philip through this story. And I'll explain what I mean by follow and what I mean by act, and then we'll go through the scripture. So what I mean by follow or following is responding to God speaking to us and doing what he says. It's remembering that God is in charge, that he is sovereign and that he is the one that chooses people, and he is the one that saves people. Only God can save. Now this gives us a great deal of peace, because it means that we don't have to try and work salvation in somebody. God does that. And that's a very comfy place to be. It's, it, it gives you a lot of peace, because you know that it's God that does it. It's knowing God is sovereign. And you don't need like a, a, I suppose, to go to Bible college or to be really learned to talk about Jesus, you can just be a normal person and talk about Jesus because God's the one that works it in people. So it's very important to remember that, to follow, to be in God's sovereignty, to know that he's in charge. And act. What I mean by act is to be convinced of who we are in Christ and that we've been commissioned through scripture to do certain things. 
that scripture says certain things, therefore we can take hold of it and do it, because that's what the Bible's teaching. Um, I do love a little bit of James, uh, and I think Mark quoted this recently, but 1 James 22, do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. And so acting is taking initiative, is, is knowing what the Bible says, knowing what we've been commissioned to do, and just doing it. And that's one of the things we've been commissioned to do. So, follow and act. That's what I mean by those two things. So, as we go through this story, I want, it's not that you can necessarily clearly see that, that they're separate from each other, they're kind of intertwined, but you can join in with me as we go through the story again, and just we can see a little bit of what it means to follow and act. And so, Acts 8, 26 to 40, we'll go through that story. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south on the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Any, any, any follow or act? I would say that would be a follow. Okay? So we see here that an angel of the Lord appears to Philip. Okay? So we see God speaking. That's, and that's a pretty obvious one. We don't all have that every day. So I'm not saying that only respond to God when an angel appears and speaks to you. But that may happen. It may not. But that's, a, that's, that's one little way of seeing how, how Philip then responded to that. He's, yep, God, you're obviously speaking. So I'll do that. So he started out and on his uh, way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the candidate, which means queens of the Ethiopians. So here is a kind of a little bit of a, a crossover in that he's, he's kind of, he's, he's following, but also acting. He's kind of doing. He's taking some initiative. I'm going to put my shoes on because, you know, the, the angel didn't say go out barefoot. Did he say take your shoes? Did he say take your bag? What did he say? He just said go. So I'm just going to go like any normal person would, take my coat, take my shoes and go. So he's acting. He's taking some initiative in leaving. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot, stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. So at that point we see again God speaking. So he's following the 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 Holy Spirit provoking him, speaking to him, so he's following. And then, do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. Ah, act. Now, I just want to pause on this little story for a while, because this is where I have the illustration. It's probably going to be a bit of a letdown, this illustration now. But anyway, <laughs> what we see here is quite useful, because we see quite a clear uh, provoke from the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit speaking, saying, go, stay near the chariot. Okay, Lord, I will follow so he does. Now, if Philip hadn't have followed at that point, then the rest of this story wouldn't have happened. Because I don't know about you, but I, I, you can often read through that story and, and it just, you just can just read through it because it's very familiar. But actually, it's a bit weird that, you know, you think, well, if the Holy Spirit's going to ask me to do something, Lord, please just make it clear. Just, you know, make it obvious, make it clear, then I will follow. So give me the, the, the tick list, I'll go through it, done. So Lord, when I'm at work this morning, here comes the illustration, Lord, I want to listen to what you're saying, I want to respond to where you're leading. So God says through the Holy Spirit, go on your lunch hour and stand in the car park. Okay, so then you have a choice. Do I do what I think is weird or do I not do what I think is weird? Because, Lord, what I was hoping for was more of a go to Johnny in accounts and tell him that his mother is blonde and he, he likes cheese and, and that God really loves him. And, and then you can tell him about the gospel and because you've had a prophetic word into his life. And then after that, this is still the Holy Spirit speaking to you, after that, then what he'll say is, I'm still not sure. And you say, oh, okay, I'll pray for you to be healed. Then, then the Holy Spirit says, okay, so now you can be healed. Great. Now, then what do I do? Right, so... I reminded you this morning to take your leaflet, which explains the gospel. You can give it to him, and then he'll be saved, okay? But that's not what you get. You get, go and stand in the car park in your lunch hour. So you're thinking, well, all the people are inside, Lord, if you hadn't noticed. And, Lord, it is raining. I don't know if you noticed that either. But Philip here, he's asked, go and stand near a chariot. It's a bit weird. It's a bit bizarre, but Philip... Man of, the, man of God, holy, full of the Holy Spirit, I'll go and stand near the chariot. 
So he's followed. He's done it. So wonderfully, you've all made the, de- you've all made the decision. You're going to stand in the car park in your lunch hour. Well done. And so then he is standing next to this chariot and, and following it because the Holy Spirit said, stay near. Now, I don't know exactly how he interpreted that. Now, lots of people have different interpretations of what near is. It's kind of borrow you, Dan. So in India, they have a different idea of what near means to maybe what I thought near means. And so uh, I think English people have personal bubbles. Yeah? So about there. So in normal conversation, you know, yeah, so we're there and it's all good. In India, you, you can you can get a little bit closer. And so now Dan is, is beginning to think, you know, has, has he still got those bowel problems? But, uh, <laughs> and he can tell. Um, okay, so I don't know what his interpretation of near was. I quite like to envision it that it was more of the Indian style. Unless this Ethiopian guy read really, really, really loudly, just randomly sitting in his thing. Because if you think about it, horse and carriage, reasonably noisy, horse clocking along. So there must have been a bit of background noise going on. So I, I, I think Philip was keen. So he would have been sort of right up to the side, following the chariot along. Because <laughs> the Lord said, stay near. So I'm staying near. Okay? And so... When this guy is then reading out this scripture that he's reading out loud, I don't know, you know, again, we're not told if he's shouting it, we're not told if he, what he's doing, but he might have just been reading normally. And so Philip overhears, okay? You're back in the car park, and you're, you're stood, and you're thinking, okay, Lord, I followed. I'm in the car park. What's going to happen? Okay? And you hear... Someone's got their radio on. You can hear it. So you start to walk around the car park, sort of tracing this noise. Someone, I can hear something. Okay? Ah, there's Derek from Stapling. And he (laughs) is in his car listening to something. And so you go near. Okay, the Holy Spirit goes to the car park. But this is, yeah, you go near and... I don't know what Derek is thinking at this point. Are you walking up to his car? Hiya, Derek. <laughs> and so you listen. Now, now this is where it becomes important that you understand what it is to act. Okay? Because you might have got following down. Okay? The Holy Spirit has said to Philip, go, stand near the chariot. Philip, he goes. He stands near the chariot. He hears this scripture being read out. And he's just thinking, I'm in the favor of God. I'm in the sovereignty of the Lord. Oh, he's reading scripture out. Well, I will just stay near the chariot. He would probably have been walking for a long time. Because if he didn't act, if he didn't take initiative, nothing would have happened. The Holy Spirit said, go stand near the chariot. He went, stood near the chariot, heard the guy reading scripture out loud. And he thought, I know what's a good idea. I'm going to ask him a question. So here we see a helpful little story. And so Derek in the car, you go and you knock on the window. And he, someone's given him one of those, what are they, faith comes by hearing CDs. So he's, he's listening to something. Now, Philip kind of fell on his feet with what scripture this guy was reading out, because I don't think you need to be necessarily a Bible scholar to kind of tell that what, who Isaiah was talking about in that passage. He's talking about Jesus. It's one of the lovely ones. You think, if anyone's going to be reading anything out that I'm going to start with and tell them about Jesus, this would be a good one. And again, where my mind goes is that it could have been any scripture, in all fairness. And so, you know, Derek, he's listening to Faith Comes By Hearing, and he's just got it on uh, shuffle. So, you know, it's just any random verse could pop up. And so, you know, it could have been that he had, and then Lot's daughters got Lot drunk. And you think, hmm, well, how am I going to start there and talk about Jesus? This may be a tricky one. For Philip, fortunately, it fell on a little bit of an easier passage to get to Jesus. But you never know what you're going to come across. So you have to make the decision, am I going to act upon this opportunity? And Philip did. Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And this guy responds, and we see him respond. He says, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading was the Isaiah passage. And he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not... 
open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Then the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So here we see actually what Philip is doing now is it's is, is dropped its nice sequence of follow, act, follow, act. And actually he's just acting. He's in the moment and he's just taking the opportunity that has arisen before him. This guy, he's in, he's in the carriage, he's chatting. And this guy, what, what is this all about? Now this actually is a bit of an encouragement to us to know the gospel. And so if you don't know the gospel, if you haven't read your Bible ever, and you're not bothered about it, you might find it tricky to then explain to Mr. Ethiopian exactly what the gospel is. We need to be confident to share Jesus. It doesn't need to be complicated, but we need to be confident that actually we can explain to somebody who Jesus is and what he's done, the good news about Jesus. And he used that passage to do it. We can use lots of different things to do it. We don't know what opportunities will come before us. But we need to take those opportunities. We need to ready our hearts for those opportunities as they come. Because we want to take every opportunity to speak about Jesus. And so that is what Philip does. And we see again, he continues to take the initiative. And as they travel along the road, uh, they came to some war. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. Again, uh, the Ethiopian man didn't need to do the intro course before baptism. It's obvious that he'd come to the conclusion through what Philip had been saying. Wow, yeah, I want to be baptized. Obviously, this is all true. We don't know what Philip said to him. We know he said, shared the good news about Jesus. We don't know if he shared about baptism. My guess is he probably did if the Ethiopian guy was thinking, I'd like to be baptized. So he's come to that conclusion and Philip's like, let's do it. You know, he's, we're in. So is, are they taking the plug out? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, if you respond to the gospel this morning, we can baptize you. But we might just lie you down in a puddle in the bottom and splash water over you. So maybe another time. But the reality is, is that Philip was so convinced, so ready, so full of anticipation that he was ready to just get in some random water with a random bloke on a random road and baptize him. No follow-up course. And so he's acting. He's, he's taking initiative because he's got convictions. That is what God has commissioned him to do, to share Jesus. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached his rear. So there we see, again, follow. Now, Philip didn't have much choice about following the leading of the Spirit at that point, because it says the Spirit just took him. And so we can't give Philip too much credit as far as, yes, Lord, I'm responding to your leading, because he just got transported somewhere else. So it is following, but it's kind of cheating following in the sense that God just took him. And... Uh, I've mentioned to a few times, because of this story, I have tried teleportation or whatever you want to call it a few times. Because, you know, it's in scripture, why not? Have a go. But at the moment, I, ha- I haven't actually been successful. But that's okay. Maybe it's because I haven't gone to see Derek in the car park. That's it. And so once you've seen Derek, you know, and shared the gospel, be expectant of supernatural stuff to happen. Why not? I mean, it, the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is powerful. And things happen when we talk about Jesus. It might be before you talk about Jesus, you get to heal somebody. It might be that after you've talked about Jesus, you get teleported somewhere else, like on the balcony. Aha! See, God is real. And, and it would reinforce the power of God. Or that you're an incredibly good conjurer. I don't know. But the reality is, is that We don't just have to rely on words, on convincing people, on trying to to persuade through our own sort of, you know, intelligence. But actually the power of God is accessible for us to make Jesus known. 
And that's true. And Philip lived in that. We saw it earlier. He he just did that. He loved to heal people. He loved to do all that sort of thing. And then he got transported off somewhere else at the end. And what does he do once he'd been transported? Is he just cracked on again, preaching the gospel in every village until he reached somewhere else. There was something in his heart that was, I just want to preach Jesus. And so I started this morning uh, talking and, and saying that there are certain groups of people that I'm wanting to encourage. Um, and I, and I, I was going to see if I could, if I want to put this story in now. I'm gonna, I'll tell a little story um, which normally makes me cry. So I'm going to try and not cry so I can tell you the story. Um, but one of the things that, that happened uh, to me and Ellen in India was that we got to meet uh, a wonderful couple called Nelson and Pam. And Nelson and Pam, they run a charity that works with uh, people who are suffering with HIV. Um, and it's an incredible work. You know, I think me and Ellen have ben- benefited massively just sitting with them, talking with them, hearing their stories, hearing the things that they do. And their heart is, is love. They, they love these people and so they want to serve these people who are suffering with HIV and they do incredible things, medicines, food, care, friendship, support groups, everything. So they're motivated by love, but their greatest passion is to tell these people about Jesus because they know and live in the good of the gospel. These two, honestly, you can't talk to them with for more than half a second without them mentioning Jesus and just telling you how wonderful he is. It just lives in them because they see the reality of it in their lives. And this story is, is, is one where Nelson often, uh, because he's well known in the community and, 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 and so on, if, if someone finds out that somebody has HIV, they'll put Nelson in contact with that person. He'll then go and visit them and see what state they're in. And, and in, in a lot of cases, um, HIV in India has a stigma attached to it. And so many people won't want to tell their families that they've contracted it. They, they won't want to mention it to anybody and because they will get rejected from their families, kicked out because there's a lot of stigma around the disease. Not many people know much about it. And so Nelson found out that there was a man who had fallen ill. And he'd, he, this man had contracted HIV, but he hadn't told his wife and he hadn't told his family. But when he got so ill that he, he could no longer really function right, um, he had to tell his family that, well, this is, this is what's happened to me. And so this man, he's, he's got H- HIV. And, and after he told his family, his family just rejected him. Um, his wife didn't want anything to do with him. And the only mercy they had left in their hearts was to put him in a separate room on his own uh, and not really care for him, just basic stuff. Um, and so just left him there. <laughs> so this guy didn't have much hope. I knew I'd fail at this. Um, but Nelson found out that this guy was on his own. And so <laughs> he went to this guy and he found him. And he, this guy was in such a state that he was, he was lying on this bed and he couldn't move, couldn't talk, that sort of the end was coming for him really. And so Nelson, the first thing he can think of is I need to tell this guy the gospel. I need to tell this guy about Jesus because this is, this is the most important thing. And so he, he just kneels down next to the bed and he just begins to speak uh, into this guy's ear. And this guy can't respond. He can't verbally respond. To, to what's happening. And so Nelson just prays, shares the gospel, speaks into his ear. And then eventually he, Nelson just asks the question, you know, is this, do you want to receive Jesus? And this guy couldn't talk, uh, but, but he, he did everything he could to communicate that he was responding. And all Nelson says is that he just saw tears just streaming down the side of this guy's face as he received Jesus. It's incredibly powerful story. Makes me cry, stops me from talking. But I learned a lot from Nelson because that was his heart, is that he lived 
in the knowledge and the good of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he, he wanted to tell everyone and anyone he could. And obviously working with HIV sufferers, he knew that most of them didn't have much time. And the urgency was quite obvious for him in that sense. They were going to die soon. Therefore, I need to tell them about Jesus now, quickly. He loved them. He did everything for them. But their heart was that they could communicate Christ to these people. And that needs to be our conviction as well. We might not necessarily have the obvious urgency of people who are dying, but people will die. And so I don't want to tell you this story to somehow make you feel guilty like you need to tell people about Jesus. Please don't hear that. But please do hear my heart, which is there is an urgency because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can save. It is the only thing that can change people's lives. It's the only thing that really is worth sharing with anyone. It's the most important thing. And I would love for us this morning to be able to respond uh, to God and to respond by saying, Lord, I do want to live in the good of your gospel. And if you are one of those people who, who is living in the good of it, I just want to commend you and encourage you and say, well done, keep going. Don't give up. Keep sharing the gospel with people. Keep pressing in. Don't become discouraged because you're doing a great work and carry on. And there are many of you in here who are doing that. So I want to say, carry on doing what you're doing for Christ. If you didn't know that you'd been commissioned to make Christ known, then please receive that commission this morning because you've been chosen by God to make him known in the earth. It's a wonderful privilege. But if you're fearful, I believe God wants to help you with that fear of man and scared to maybe talk about Jesus. God can release you from that this morning. He can commission you into sharing Christ with others. But if you maybe are lazy and you just haven't felt any need or want or purpose in sharing Jesus with anybody, then let me encourage you, get hold of the gospel again. Remind yourself what Jesus has done for you because it's amazing and it's awesome. And let that stir you into believing this is what I've been commissioned to do. Like Philip, like the early church, who they'd seen horrible things happen to their friends, but they were so convinced, so convicted that the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be shared, that it doesn't matter what was happening around them, they wanted to share that wonderful message. And my prayer is that we'll have many Derricks saved in car parks, and that we'll have many stories like that where we are responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit and taking initiative in knowing that we have been commissioned through Scripture to share Christ, and we can do it. We can share. We don't need for big writing in the sky or for an angel to appear to share Christ. We can just share Christ, but also live in the good of hearing the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, moving in power. Let those two things live in tension in your life. Let them blend beautifully together, like we see in that story of Philip. We see how they blended wonderfully together. Uh, I think Ginny, quite a while ago, said, you know, we want to live naturally supernatural lives because that's what we've been called to do in Christ. We're naturally supernatural, just are. And so I want to encourage you in that this morning. And I'm going to end, just in case you didn't know that this was a commission from Scripture, I'm going to end by reading out just a bunch of Scriptures that are an encouragement uh, and a commission for us to go and make uh, Christ known. Now, I just wondered, um, I, I don't know what time it is, but Dave, if you could just come up and just uh, twink, twinkle away. Um, in, in response to this, um, and then obviously as time goes on, I'm sure the elders will, will pick things up. Um, as, I, as I just read out these scriptures, if, if God is challenging you or, or you know, if something's been stirred in your heart, any of those areas that I've talked about, and you think, actually, I, I want to be a witness of Christ. I want to continue to press into that. I want to be free from, whatever it might be, free from fear or whatever. Then as I'm reading these scriptures out, if you just want to stand up just in response, um, and just, just as a sign, just as a proclamation saying, actually, no, today I want to, I want to nail my colors to the wall and say, no, I want to, I want to make Jesus known. And, and the reality is, is that no, we won't all do what Philip did. God will give us, because we're a body, all different types of jobs, all different types of things to do. 
And they will all look differently from one another. But God has things for you to do. He has people for you to witness to in lots of different ways. So as I read these out, if you just want to respond and say, actually, Lord, yeah, I want to, I want to go for that. I want to, I want to follow that. I want to be a witness of Christ. Then just stand. And then once I've finished these scriptures, we'll sing a song. So if the rest of the band want to come up, actually, that'd be good. Um, so I'll read these scriptures. And if you want to respond, as I'm reading, just stand up. Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win those to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. They are my, they myself, not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from the law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. Colossians 4, 2-6, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, that, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself and Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation, that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Matthew 9, 37, 38. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Matthew 10, 7 and 8. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. Luke 12, 8. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will acknowledge before the angels of God. And Romans 10, 14 to 16. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news.